morning. How many of you know that sometimes the hardest thing in life is to change? Come on. I know when I, when I do marriage, marriages, you know, I mean, you look at someone and you know, you know, hey, y'all, y'all, you see them today, but a year from now, there's going to be a lot of change. How many of you know that? I mean, you can have the first night on your honeymoon and he leaves the toilet lid up and you go sit down in it, honey. This thing's got to adjust and change. You know, and so there's a lot of things that need to change. And it's like even in our walk with God and many people come and they, 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 they're looking and, and, you know, and they want something that, that's going to that's gonna change. I know Pastor Josh, just, I'm going to, Pastor Josh talked about, you know, the, uh, the story of the, the change you want might not be the change you need. And he just, you know, you discover change begins when you let go of pride. How I many you know that, that pride, there's two kinds of pride. There's arrogant pride and there's inferior pride. Arrogant pride says, you know, no. And inferior pride says, I can't do it. Pride just says this. It says, no, God, no. And Pastor Josh began to share with you last week. I heard it was awesome. And uh, just how, you know, what has to happen is you've just got to hold on to Jesus and his people. And God, the greatest gift God gives us is, 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 is Christians and followers of Jesus while we're here on this earth or the people that he puts in our lives. That's his greatest gift to us. And today I want to talk to you about a question and we, how, do, how do we change? You ever wonder that? And I love when I come to here at this campus, I always like it. Y'all ask great questions. So what, what, how do we change? When, when we say the word change, what does that actually mean? You ever wonder that, you know, what does that mean? You know, uh, let's, so let's look at it. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and it says, Don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How many of you know that many times we've got to learn to change the way we think? How many of you grew up in a home where nothing was good, anything you did, it wasn't quite, it didn't quite meet what everybody needed to meet? I mean, there are just things that sometimes that people who grow up in a place and they go, they feel like, you know what, I'll never be different. I'll never be the same. My Aunt Barbara, she was in, if your name's Barbara, don't, it's, I'm not talking about you, is, uh, you know, because I have some crazy aunts, I do. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll just never change. And you just see their lives. What the Bible's saying, the word change in the Bible, really, it comes from the, the, the word in the Greek really means metamorphosis. It means that a change needs to happen. It's like, it's like a caterpillar going into the cocoon. And when it comes out, it comes out like a beautiful butterfly. And that's what's happening. When you come to know Jesus, he begins to change the way you think. The way you perceive things, the way you see things, the way you treat people, and the way you respond when people treat you very unkind. Hello. I'm in the right church. Okay, I just want to make sure. See, the Bible word, it means metamorph. It means to change in a significant way. It doesn't mean that you just change your thoughts, and when you come to know Jesus, all of a sudden you go, well, I used to go here, and now I go there. It's, it's more of like, you know what? I met Jesus, and I'll never be the same. I met a person. His name's Jesus. Come on. Can I make a confession? I fell in love with a man. That's good. I have a lot of confessions this morning. His name is Jesus. Amen. And see, and you know what has to happen? I want to talk to you about a guy that I can relate to in the Bible. And many of you, when I say his name, you're going to know. His name's Peter. 
The thing I love about Peter, he was passionate. I mean, you know, he was just passionate. I mean, whatever he did, he went, he was gusto. Whatever he felt, he said. Wherever he was feeling at the moment, he kind of blurted out. Anybody like that, like me? Anyway, pray for me. He was passionate, but he said some stupid stuff too. How many of you have ever done stupid things? Amen. How many of you said some stupid things? How many of you acted stupid this week? Don't put your hand down. Don't. <laughs> See, the life of Peter, there's a couple of things that I just want to talk about. First of all, we know that he was called by God. What do you mean, Pastor? He was a fisherman, and Jesus, he's out there fishing one day. He can't, he's, he can't catch any fish, and Jesus tells him to throw in his net, and he catches all these fish, and he, and he, and he, and, and he invites him in his boat. And then and Jesus began to tell him, he says, you know what? You know, I want to make you a fisher of men. Why don't you follow me? And the Bible says that he left his boat, he left his nets, and he followed Jesus. So we know one thing that he was called. Another thing is we know this about him. We know that he walked on water. Remember Jesus in the boat and he's in the storm and he sees Jesus walking on the water in the storm. And he, he goes, Lord, can I come out there and meet with you? And he started walking on the water. Then he began to look at the waves and the surroundings. And all of a sudden, he, he began, fear became, and we know that he sank and Jesus saved him, put him in the boat. We know that about Peter. We know that also that, that when the disciples asked him, Jesus said, he asked the disciples, who do, you say, who do people say that I am? And, the, and remember, Peter said, Lord, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the chosen one. And Peter calls him that. And he says, you know, and, and then God, Jesus begins to tell him, he said, you know, that God had told him that. And so what happens is we know that he was called, he walked on the water, he claimed that Jesus was the Messiah. But we also know this, when Jesus was going to the, to the court about to be crucified, we know this, that he denied Christ three times. In fact, while he was sitting around the fire trying to warm himself, this little girl came and said, hey, I've seen you. You have that scent. You have that Galilean accent. You've been hang, you, I, you, you look like you've been hanging out with Jesus. You know, have you ever noticed that when, you, when you're from a family, everybody kind of looks the same? Like, that's one thing they tell Tracy and I said, all the mechanics, y'all all look alike. Well, we better. <laughs> My little girl, last night she was messing with us and stuff and something about, you know, she, she goes, I ain't going to have no ugly children. She said, look at this face. <laughs> My wife and I go, whoa. I said, what about if your husband's ugly? She goes, mm-mm, that ain't happening. <laughs> so, Libby, Libby. But, you know, but what happens, there's a moment, we know that he denies him, and he leaves in shame and sorrow. And what happens, well, we know this, there's another moment in his life that something really takes a radical change is that he comes and he comes to the upper room and he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. It's called the day of Pentecost. And when he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, he goes out and he begins to preach. And as he begins to preach, people begin to come. He leads thousands of people to the Lord in the book of Acts. And we know this, that he leads, he leads the church. He helps start churches. But he influences leaders. He wrote two books, encouraging leaders. He was a wise old man. Until he died, he was crucified upside down because he felt he was not worthy to be crucified the way his Lord was. See, there's a critical moment with Jesus that could have changed it all. 
And see, what happened, something happened. If you look between where he, where he denies Christ and all of a sudden he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and he, begins to, he gets filled with the Spirit, he begins to preach, there's a critical moment and it changes everything. Without that moment, you, you, let me just say this. We don't know what, it, what would happen to Peter without that moment where God comes and touches his life. How many of you know that we can mark a moment in our lives when God touches us? We were never the same. We can do great things, say things, hang out with great people, but there can be times when we have discouragement. Anybody ever, ever go through discouragement? And what discouragement would do would try to keep you from change. See, there's a critical moment. See, without that moment, we don't know what happened. So now I'm going to make you feel old. How many of you ever saw the movie Back to the Future? Okay. Do you remember, uh, you know, there's uh, Marty McFly, and what happens is, you know, in, in Back to the Future, uh, the future, Marty went to October 21st, ni- uh, 2015. Do you remember that? When he was going to the future, second part. And remember the scene when the future changed and people started disappearing on the photographs? Do you remember that? Look. There it goes. You remember that? Where they begin to change. And what happens is we're making decisions today that will influence our future. You see, have you ever had a moment like that? That's what Peter had. That's what happened to Peter. He was having a moment. See, Peter's story could look radically different if it wasn't for one breakfast. You know, sometimes we would never change until I like to call them come to Jesus moments. Where we all have to come to that point in our lives. It's a come to Jesus moment. And see, these, what happens is I want to read to you and you go to the Gospel of John. That's where we're going to camp out a little bit. John chapter 21. It's the last chapter in the Gospels of John. It's the second to last story they share in the Gospel of John. And Jesus was, and it says, I'm going to start reading at verse 10. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Now, these guys had gone back to fishing. We know they're, they're discouraged. They thought, you know, well, Jesus is going to establish his kingdom. We're going to overcome the Romans. We're going to rule. We're going to reign. We're going to be like princes with Jesus. Jesus is going to be the king. And they were thinking about earthly matters. <coughs> Isn't it amazing how we can lose step with Jesus if we go back to what he called us out of? I've learned this. Most people, when they, when they get discouraged, they go back to the things that Jesus actually delivered them from. Hello? They just go back. And I'm not here to give you a laundry list with those the back is. You know what you're going back to is. You know what it is. You see, what happens is, is that Jesus wanted to make them fishers or men, but guess what they did? They forgot. McFly. They just forgot. How many of you know that being a Christian, sometimes God gets us out of circumstances, but don't we have, I believe this, Christians have the worst case of amnesia from the last time that God got them out of a bind to what you're going through right now. Am I making sense? We got a little way to go. So Jesus wanted to make them fishers of men. So verse 11, so Simon and Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. See, what happened is, Bring some of the fish. Now, if you look in verse 6 and you look at some of the other chapters, this is what I, just a little thing that I notice here. They had so many fish, they couldn't bring the net in. A group of guys. 
But Jesus said, bring some fish, and Peter brought the whole net himself. I believe this. When God calls you to do something, he gives you the ability to pull whatever he's telling you to pull. And so what happens is, here it is. He climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore by himself. It was a Lord, and, and, and it was full of large fish. And it says 153. In other words, I don't know if you know this, in the Sea of Galilee, there was 153 species of fish. He had one kind of fish of every species they had in the Sea of Galilee. Okay? And so what happens, just, just a fact. But even so, many of the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And see, this is what, this is what we're doing during this series. Jesus, was inviting, Jesus is inviting you to come spend some time with him. It might not be breakfast, but it's some time with him. And see, Peter's busted. He's quit. He's gone back to fishing. Imagine how awkward he must have felt. How many of you ever get busted? Okay, besides teenagers. <laughs> How many of you, you told your wife, well, I'm not going to do this, and all of a sudden she's not around and she busts you? I mean, the other day I busted the cat drinking from the toilet. <laughs> I came home for lunch, and the cat, you know, I came in so quick, the cat was like, oh, shoot, you caught me. Have you ever been discouraged? When I think about this weekend, it's MLK Day. This weekend. And I thought about, what did Martin Luther, he, you know, he had one of the greatest quotes he had on discouragement. He says, living every day under the threat of death, I feel discouraged sometimes. Living every day under the extensive criticisms, even from Negroes, I feel discouraged sometimes. Yes, sometimes discouraged and feel my works in vain. But I love what he says, but then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. And I love it. It goes on, he says, and, and he said, it's like the bomb or the oil of Gilead that when God with the Holy Spirit comes and touches me, I'm not the same. My discouragement, everything's different because God's touched me. And I just want to say, you know, I mean, that was, a, that was six months before he was assassinated that he said that. He was discouraged. And now we know that one man made one stand. He said, if you can't fly, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But know that when God calls you to a destiny, God's going to give you the ability to do whatever you couldn't do. Even if you say, I can't do this, I can't do that. You see, God gives us a window into this conversation that, God, that Jesus and Peter is having. None of the disciples, go on, I'm here, finishing verse. None of the disciples dared ask him, who, who are you? They knew it was the Lord, okay? Jesus came, took bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. That reminds me of the fishes and the loaves. Jesus met them on the shore, didn't tell them who he was. They kind of like, that's the Lord, He'd bring me some fish. He grilled some fish for him, and he had bread waiting for him. And now, the third time, Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Imagine how tense this must have been. They weren't sure what Jesus was going to say. Was he upset? They're fishing. Was he going to rebuke them, Peter? He corrected Peter more regularly and more strongly than any other disciple. But we know who Peter is. Amen? 
I remember my, my mother's 70th birthday, and I had the privilege of praying with all these people. My stepfather got up, and he said, you know what? The child that gave us more hell, now my parents had nine kids, more hell than anybody else is going to lead us in prayer today. And now he's a preacher. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Notice he calls him Simon. He didn't call him Peter. Jesus had changed his name because of his faith and his understanding. He wasn't that guy right now. Man, he's discouraged. He's down. He wasn't addressing the upgrade, the best version he was talking to him in his lowest moment. Look, let's go. Yes, Lord, he said. You know I love you. You know, there's four kinds of love in the Greek. There's one that you kind of love cats. There's another one that's brotherly love. There's another one that's sensual love. And then there's called the, then agape, the love of God. And he's basically saying, he's saying, he's saying the first one, Lord, you know I, 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 like, I like you. You know I like people. I've heard people, well, I love preaching, but I just hate people. You don't, you don't need to be a preacher. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he says, Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus asked three times because there was three denials, I believe. The Lord will meet us wherever we're, where we're at. And he'll go with us as far as we want to go. I believe that. How many believe that? Sometimes Jesus loves you enough, he will keep asking you to get to deeper issues. You know what? I'm the kind of person, my wife likes to ask questions just to get to the heart of things. I'm the kind of guy, I get bothered sometimes when people ask too many questions. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I get me, man, I, okay. And her heart is totally pure, it's totally right, but I'm like one of those kind of people... Oh, my God. But see, I'm that way with her, but I'm different with other people sometimes. I let them ask me questions. Hello? That's another message in another moment. How God changes us. Let me talk to you three things, and I'm going to wrap it up. God initiates a moment of honest assessment. Jesus is not bringing up the past. He's not talking about the denials. Isn't uh, isn't it amazing how we think God is going to treat us when we fail? How many of you know that sometimes we try to do a personal assessment of ourselves and we think, you know, that's completely off or that's not the way it's supposed to be? And then our spouse says, that's totally you. We're good at assessing. We're not... We're, we're not good at assessing ourselves. We need Jesus to tell us where we really are at. Hello? 
Jesus tells Peter to come and have breakfast. How many know we're all one step from stupid? We are. We're all one step from stupid. See, we overestimate our ability and we underestimate our potential to blow it. See, if you're really going to experience a genuine transformation, you have to get radically honest where you're really at. If you're resistant, it's usually painful when you find out how far off you've been. I mean, I, let me ask you a question. How many of you like, like being lied to? How many of you like being deceived? I can't tell you how many times people, people have come in, man, pastor, pastor, hey, man, or like come in, hey, are you, are, are you a pastor? Yeah. Man, I need some help. My life's all messed up. Then I tell them, you know, well, first of all, if you want change to happen, you got to get honest with yourself. You got to put yourself around people that don't agree with you all the time. Hello? They can tell you the truth even though you don't like it. You see, I've learned this. Sometimes when I go through painful moments or, or... or anguish in my life. And a lot of people don't want to preach this, but I'm just going to preach it right now. God uses anguish. God uses pain to draw us back to himself that we can have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. God uses anguish and pain. He uses it just to bring us right back to where we, we need to be. You see, am I making sense here? See, and sometimes, you know, like if people are coming here and say, you know, say, Pastor, what do I do next? I say, you know what you know what to, you know how to do? You ought to, get, you, ought to, you ought to get some people in your life that can speak to you. I always say this. This is what I do. Get some people that will be like a tent peg in your life. Because when the winds of adversity come your way, they'll keep you real and they'll keep you grounded. Because when wind and resistance and temptation and all those things come, it's like the wind and it'll just blow you off unless you have people that are having you anchored and look at you and go, hey, man, what's going on? Are you, you know, and people can look at you and go, don't, don't give me that creamy story. You're lying to me. I've learned this. When I've been around someone long enough, you know when they're lying. Have children. This is this look. And usually I'm the stupid one. My wife usually picks it up first. I remember when I'd come home, I could get away with things with my daddy. But my mama, it's like this. Look at me in your eye. Not in your eye, but in my eye. My grandmother was the worst. Because she, she not only had wisdom, but she had the power of the Holy Ghost. She'd always pull this on me. The Holy Ghost told me. How do you fight that? <laughs> but see, they don't want to do anything different. See, if, you want to, if, if you're going to change, you've got to be willing to do something different to get real and for real change to take place. That's the only way it happens. It's becoming brutally honest with yourself. 
and others around you. See, if you're, if you're in a desperate, sick condition, you don't call the doctor and tell him what times you're available. You go to the doctor when he tells you he's available. Part of the reason I had pneumonia so long is I hate calling doctors. And when I should have called, it was New Year's weekend and all the pharmacies were closed except one in Lafayette and I wasn't driving. That's why I cried out one night, God, take me home. And I'm thinking, I should have listened to my wife. God's available, but not under your conditions. The second thing, you need to realize the power of God's love that changes you. The greatest force in the universe is the love of God. It's not a nuclear bomb. It's not a big army. It's the power of the love of God. It's the greatest force in the universe. Every Sunday, we as pastors make sure to tell you how much God loves you and how much we love you. The number one reason people don't change is because they think change by working harder or doing more. But that's what's wrong. It's not you have to do more or you have to work harder. See, when you encounter God's love, you change forever. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? Listen to me. May, May 15th, 1980. Eight, 1980. <laughs> Let me drink this water now. 1980. I had an encounter with Jesus. Religion didn't work for me. And I'm not going to go through all that. But when I had an encounter, I invited him into my life. I asked him to fill me with his Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, I had an encounter with the power of love. And it was like liquid love just came in. Because before that, I had based my life on feelings. Getting high, getting stoned, getting drunk, getting loopy, getting stupid. One of my mottos when we'd go out, hey, let's go out party so much we'd get crippled tonight. That's stupid. Who wants to be in a wheelchair? <laughs> but if you're stupid enough to live that way, people will guide you places you don't want to go to meet people you don't need to meet. And then the next day you go, you know, I met them. What are they doing in my house? You change I'll just say that, let me just say, you change for what you love. You sacrifice for what you love. You will. Have a guy fall in love with a woman. He'll take a bath and brush his teeth. I'm not kidding you. And floss him. Put on cologne he never did in his life. When something's important enough, you find a way to make it happen. Some of us just need to raise your love temperature. You've been setting the thermostat too low. Are you hearing me? Sometimes you need to move it up and say, God, let me, you know what I want in my life? I want red hot love for God. I want, I want to love him with all my heart. You see, lasting change isn't about taking, a, taking out the bad stuff. Lasting change is putting the good stuff in. 
See, I've learned this. When you fall in love with God, it's not about you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do It's not about the can'ts and the don'ts. It's about I get to do this in God. I lay that down. You see, people come to church and go, I'm waiting for them to tell me what I can't do and what I can't do. Mm-hmm. Last time, hey, do y'all believe this? Do y'all believe that? Do you believe that? I said, well, you know what? I believe if you have an encounter with God, he'll speak to you what you should and shouldn't be doing. Quit relying on me or Pastor Josh telling you can't do this and you can't do that or leaders in this church. When you have an encounter with God, you're more than willing to go, hey, man, it's all. (coughs) I'm giving God my all, everything. (coughs) The kingdom life is the best life. What do you mean? You will never be fully fulfilled unless you're living in Jesus' love. You see, yes, we need a change, but we're not, trying, we're not trying harder, but by experiencing the love of God more. How do I experience God's love more? You know what? Let me tell you how you do it. It's not just love reading your Bible and having devotions. That's wonderful, and it's needed. You need to get as much of this inside of you and to let it get all the other junk out of you. Hello. But also, what you need is obedience. When God speaks to you about doing something that you do. See, God, you can't do the next thing God wants you to do until you do the last thing he asks you to do. You want power in your life? Learn to, all of a sudden when God speaks, he's trying to tell you something to help you to get beyond where you're at, to get you down the road to a place you want to be. The kingdom life is the best life. Yes, we need to change, but we're not trying it harder. See, the third thing is change is a process. Hello? How many of you know you don't just change overnight? You know, when I got delivered from drugs... Smoking marijuana, I remember one night, I'd been, I'd been, honestly, I'd been free for about a week. I hadn't smoked. And this guy that I helped get some really good marijuana for one time, I was bringing him home, and before I knew it, he lit up. And he's going, man, remember that time you got me stoned? I go, Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to do that, man. I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, but man, I got to pay you back. I mean, you don't need to pay me back. And I kept smelling it and <laughs> blowing it in my face. And I remember just like, give me that. And I go. <laughs> and I gave it back to him. I dropped him off. No one needed to tell me I was, it was wrong. That was the last hope I ever had on a joint in my life. Because at that moment, I, all of a sudden, I'd ask God to change me. Are you hearing me? Listen, just because you're allowing change in your life doesn't mean you won't be tempted and you won't blow it. I'm not giving you permission to blow it. Are you hearing me? But what I'm saying is you need people in your life. And I remember going to some people and telling them what I'd done, and they didn't condemn me. Oh, you... Dope, you fool, you stupid. I mean, they just love me, man. They just love me. Jesus asked him, do you love me? And then what he said, then let's get back in the game, man. See, as a pastor, 
A pastor is like a shepherd. A shepherd has two things. If you look in the Bible, it has a crook on one end to grab the sheep by the neck to bring them back into the fold. And it has a rod on the other other end to beat off the enemy, not to beat you up. Are you hearing me? Hey, it's time to get back in the game. Betty Sue, Sudie Betty, whatever your name is. And that's the enemy? You blown stupid. You know what I mean? Don't you see the enemy? Don't you see the temptation? Don't you see the pattern in your life? We're called watchmen. We're trying to watch after your soul. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what we're called to do. We're not, we're not called to tell people what to do and what they can't do. We're called to love them, to call them back into the game and say, that's the devil right there. Thank you. See, if you're going to change, you have to keep it simple and commit to only a few basic steps. You know, there are 250 million version app downloads. But I wonder how many people actually read them. When it comes to change, I've learned this. Less is more. Focusing on a few things and nailing it is so much better than trying a ton of things and failing at it all the time. You know, when I, when I, I had a guy named Dan, Daniel Sabala, he discipled me for a while, a couple months, and, and I just said, Daniel, I really need wisdom. I mean, I, I just, I made a lot of stupid decisions. Go, that's easy, Baba. You see, there's, a pro, there's 31 Proverbs, and there's, and there's 31 days, and mo- some months, and 30 another. You know what help you? And, and Proverbs is the book of wisdom, and James is like the new Testament book of wisdom. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to read a proverb a day to keep the devil away. Because I need some wisdom. How many of you know you say, man, I need wisdom? The rest of us, pray for the rest of us. <laughs> Let me just wrap this up and put a bow on it. Jesus knew of what was going to happen in the book of Acts. I believe that. He knew Peter was going to be preached boldly. Thousands in, in Acts chapter 2 were going to come to the Lord. He knew the early church was going to explode in growth. He knew Peter was going to be arrested and beaten for telling people about Jesus. Jesus doesn't tell, peop- Jesus doesn't tell Peter all this. He makes, he makes it so simple. He said, just, he said this, just feed my sheep. Take one step. Can I say this? You don't change alone. You can't change yourself. How many of you tried to change yourself? Only made yourself miserable? How many of you ever fussed at yourself? Cussed at yourself? Okay, well, you can put your hand down. You know what I'm talking about. You just get frustrated with yourself. So you have to be around people to encourage you, to love you, to call you to hire ground. I just re- finished reading a book. It's a great book. It's, it's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It's about a young man that ended up going through medical school, and there was a guy in, his, in, his, in college, the first day he did classes with him. He was a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, and he just loved this guy. And he said, there was three things I didn't believe. There was three things. He said, the first thing is, I never believed Jesus died. 
Because when they took him on the cross, person that died on the cross, they usually have to stay on it all day long. They took him off early. And they went and the women put oil and myrrh on him and that's what revived him. That's what Muslims believe. That he really never died. He just came back. That refreshed him. He said, so I don't believe and that I don't believe that Jesus died for everybody. How can that be? He said, you're saved on what you do and what you don't do and the motive of your heart. Then he said, I don't believe in the resurrection because if he didn't die, he was already alive. And most people believe that Jesus went to India and preached. But in India, they have thousands of gods. You go, what, what does that have to do with anything? He had to come to the point where he realized this. It's not my opinions. It's not what I've been taught. I have to learn to die to myself. And in this culture, let me just say, just like in the Muslim culture, for you to go and tell your parents or your relatives that you changed, that you're no longer part of a certain denomination. Hello. Because like in the Muslim faith, when you give your life to Jesus, they disown you. And some people are killed. It's called honored killing. There's a death. See, as Christians, we know there is also a death to us. There has to be a death to self, death to what people's opinions are, what they think we are. It's that we die to ourselves and we come and we let Jesus. See, you and I have to give our life in order to receive his life. Amen? It's God, I give you my life because I want your life. How much of God do you want? You got to be willing to give all of you to get all of him. You see, some people are dissatisfied because they can't change. You go, because you're holding on. Just like in the Muslim faith, they don't want to tell their family that they're saved because they know they will disown them. Jesus said it like this, unless you love me more, your mother, your brother, your sister, you can have no part of me. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father who lives in heaven. It's a death. It's not just joining the church. It's not changing just your thoughts. It's saying, Jesus, I come with all my hang-ups, with all my junk. I've blown it. I can't do this by myself. God, will you come and live? I want to die today. And I need you to come and live inside of me. And I don't care what people say. I don't care what people do. I don't care how they treat me, what they will do. I want to follow you. And God, by the way, bring me some people that are going to help me. Listen, that's why we do next step. That's why we do what we do here at this church. It's so important. Even today, after the, the, the 1045, we have a, a next step class. And it's not just about the class. It's about finding out, you know, it, it's, it's finding out having a deeper walk with God. What it's, how important that is in having people in your life and what that's all about. Because let me just tell you something. I'm not standing here alone on this platform today. It's kind of like the old Verizon commercial. Remember, he goes to network. He works for Sprint now. But anyway, I don't know if you've seen the commercial. But. But he's, it's like the network. He didn't do it by himself. It was the network. When I get to heaven, I didn't get there by myself. There was people that were looking after me that had a crook. Bubba, come on, get back in the game. That's the devil. Amen? 
Listen, look at me and I'm going to be done, I promise. I promise, no, no second innings today. <laughs> and I'm just going to be real with you. There's some of you that you know there's some things that need to change. And you've been putting it off. God loves you enough that he'll speak to you by his Holy Spirit. See, as Pastor Josh and I or anybody that gets up here to preach, God's walking between these aisles and he's speaking to us. It's whether or not we're listening. And it's another thing, are we willing to respond and allow the change that we know that needs to happen in our lives to begin the change? Some of you may need to give your life to Jesus this morning. There's others of you, you've been holding on to things and you didn't come here by mistake today, but God's speaking to you. There's nothing to but to do what God's telling you to do. I wouldn't want you to walk out those doors the same. Because if you walk out the same, sameness makes you lame. And lameness makes you tamed. Amen? Amen. And some of you, that's what Philistine means, sameness. You stay in the same. Church isn't about you staying the same. It's about God. Today, I draw the line. You've, driven, you've already drawn the line in the sand, God. And I know I've been, I haven't stepped over, but I need to step over to let the change begin. It could be in your marriage. It could be in some things you've been involved in. I don't know what it is, but God loves us enough that he speaks to us. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Leave the lights on. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, God's speaking to me. I know I need a change. <coughs> if that's you, I just believe out of act of faith that some of you just need to stand up this morning and say, Pastor, I need a change. God loves me enough that he's speaking to me this morning. And I know there's areas of my life that I have to change in order for God to do greater things in my life. If that's you, I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to plead with you. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. Thank you. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. God's speaking to you. Don't put off. Thank you for those that are standing. I know there's others. Just going to give a moment. God's speaking to you. Whatever it is, stand. Say, God, today I stand. I identify that I need some change in my life with some decisions I've been, I've made and decisions I've been making. I need change to begin today. That you stand to your feet. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Holy Spirit speaking because he loves you. Thank you. He loves you so much. He didn't want you to stay the same. He wants you to experience his life to its fullest. Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord. and You say, Pastor Bubba, 
I know that in order to receive his life, I need to lay my life down. I need to have his life inside of me. I can't go around and continue to play religion. I need, I need that relationship with him, that love relationship. I want to give my life to him this morning. If that's you, just stand to your feet. as a, pro- a proclamation of faith. I'm standing to my feet to give my life to him. Okay. Everybody, everybody stand with these that are standing. Lift your hands to heaven this morning. I just want to pray over you. Father, I thank you for every person here in this room. You love them. Thank you for your words that bring life, that bring freedom. Thank you for the example of Peter's life that we can can relate. We know that we're all one step from stupid. We know we're all one step from just not knowing where to go, not having direction. But Lord, I thank you for everyone that stood this morning. The Lord to say, today is the day that I need to change. I pray, Father, whatever that change needed to be, I pray that God this morning, the Bible says, he who begins a good work in us, able to complete that to which he started. Lord, I thank you that you've already been doing a work and that's why they stood. They're just standing because you've started a work in them. And God, it's just us being real and open and honest that you would come. But Lord, I rebuke the enemy. I call these people that need a change to get back in the game. We, re- we, we see the enemy in his schemes and his ploys and all that he tries to do to entrap us. And Lord, we rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name over people's minds, over their hearts, over their marriages, over their children, over their physical bodies, over their health. And I pray, Father, for your freedom in people's lives this morning. Can we all pray this prayer for those that are standing to give their lives to Jesus? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe on the cross you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame. You died for I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead dead, to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your son. Today, I turn away from my sin to be born again. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name.